0: Impact Sports Radio and
1: this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host Jason Ruff alongside my partner Brian Bobble. We've got a full show for you today. Tonight we'll be recapping Michigan State's troubling weekend out in Massachusetts and where the team has to go from here. In addition, we'll be looking at field hockey's tremendous outing last weekend and what it means for them moving forward. And finally, Brian and I will look forward to hockey series against Ferris State at home ice this weekend, and what the Spartans will have to do if they want to come away with some success. Let's start off with a recap of last weekend. Just when you thought Michigan State had solved their offensive struggles, they come right back and notch only one goal in two games. Last Friday night, the Spartans faced off against number 11 Boston University. The Terriers were enjoying their first game in front of a home crowd. Less than a minute into the second period, Boston would net the only goal in the game off a nice backhander, and although the Spartans had plenty of opportunities, including six power plays to tie it up, they were unable to find the back of the net and lost the game by a score of one to nothing. The Spartans were outshot 40-29, most of those 29 shots coming in the third period. After two periods, Boston University held a 31-15 to 15 shot edge over Michigan State. Brian, when you look at the opening weekend when Michigan State had this plethora of offensive production and then you come back and you have a game like this where they were just completely shut out, what does that say to you?
0: Well, it was a reality check, really, for their offense. You know, they they enjoyed moderate success overall in the in the series against UMass, and this was it was a wake-up call knowing that you got to bring your A game every night and like you said, 31 to 15 shot total after two periods on the road is not a recipe for success.
1: It's it's unacceptable almost.
0: Yeah, and and the good news is they they sort of woke up towards the end of the second period and the third period they outshot Boston University 14 to 9 in the third period. So they had so you could tell they had that effort in the third period that they came out with the attitude we have to get this game tied, which was great, but ultimately they were not able to put one in the back of the net and like you said, 0 for power, 0 for 6 on the power play. That just adds to the recipe for failure on the road against a ranked opponent like BU.
1: Last year, road woes was definitely a trouble for Michigan State. It looks like they are continuing this year. Let's move over to Saturday. On Saturday, Michigan State would face off against the UMass Lowell Riverhawks, who had a nasty taste in their mouth after getting pummeled 8-4 to by the Michigan Wolverines the previous night. Lowell scored midway through the first period on the power play to take an early 1-0 lead. However, the Spartans stood firm and were able to tie the game late in the second, thanks to Ron Boyd, who scored his first goal of the year. Seems like that name change is doing wonders for him. (laughs) However, less than a minute into the third period, the Riverhawks scored a shorthanded goal to make it a 2-1 game, and although the Spartans had a fury of good chances late, they could not, just like the night before, they could not convert. MSU outshot Lowell in this game, twenty-seven to twenty-two, and like the previous night, were zero for six on the power play. Brian, your thoughts again on this game?
0: Pretty much a carbon copy of what went wrong for the team on Friday night. Although it took them a lot earlier to get back into this game, whereas opposed to Friday, it seemed like they started to really show up in the third period. They outshot. UMass Lowell twenty three to fifteen in the final two periods, including seven to two in the second period. So, uh, from that standpoint, it was it was a good game for them. I mean, they were able to control the play on the road in a hostile environment. But and again, the special teams not we'll give the we'll give uh, the penalty kill a break. You know, this is only the second power play goal they've given up in four games.
1: Well, that's true, but that's on average point five shorthanded handed goals you're giving up a game. That's an average of one goal, one shorthanded goal a weekend. That's not a good recipe you power for success. Play there. Or power play goal, excuse me. That's not a good. Regardless, that's not a good recipe for success.
0: But with the way their power, with the way their penalty kill was last year, their power, their penalty kill this year has just been immensely better.
1: Oh yes, I have, no one's debating that. Yeah. No one's debating that. Can, it, when you look at the numbers, they're so much better.
0: Just the bottom line is the power play failed them. A lot more than the penalty kill did. Right. The penalty kill only gave up one goal on the weekend, and you you know if you have if you that happens you only give up one power play goal on a weekend against the opponents that they played. That's great. You know that that, that's I'm sure you know Anastas doesn't like to give up any goals. What coach is happy with giving up a power play goal? But the fact that they were able to limit the other team's opportunities and kill off. I think their, their power uh, penalty kill is close to 87%.
1: Somewhere in that 87.5, 87.5 I want to say.
0: Yeah, when last year it was in the 70s.
1: 79-ish yeah. in that range. I was actually talking to Coach Anastas during his weekly press conference. He said he was very happy with the way his penalty kill was shaping up, and he was also saying that the numbers they have right now, those are elite numbers. If they can keep it close to that 88 mark the whole season, they'll be in very good shape. The key for Michigan State moving forward, Brian, is to notch those power play goals special teams right now are 0 for 3. They've scored one power play goal, they've given up two shorthanded goals and they've given up two goals while on the power play.
0: Not not very good when your power play is getting outscored by the guys with one less or well, one or two less men on the ice there. They their power play so far 1 for 21 on the season and 0 for 12 combined this weekend with a goal against that's, that's just, that has to improve. There, just There's no way to dodge it if you're Tom and and the Spartans. That is a glaring reason why they did not come away with any points this weekend. 0 for 12. Just let that sink in. 0 for 12 and 1 for 21.
1: 1 for 21, I'm okay with the 0 for 12. I am not. I think the other big thing is Michigan State needs to learn to play a full 60-minute game you look at the numbers, they owned the last period. In some cases, they even own the last half of the game. But this game isn't 30 minutes long. It's 60. And you have to learn to play 60-minute games. I can think of five instances off the top of my head, including this last three games that Michigan State has just played. I can think of two other instances going back to last year where Tom Anastas and the Spartans have said, we need to play a full 60-minute game. We can't let up. You think about the Michigan game, the first Michigan game at Munn where Michigan State lost to the Michigan Wolverines 5-2, to I believe it was. And also you look at the the home closer on senior night when they lost to Wisconsin by a score of 4-3, to I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Michigan State took a couple shifts or in some cases a whole period off and it ended up costing the game. Whereas if they play those full 60 minutes, there in that game they may even walk away with a win.
0: And this is what separates those those elite ranked teams against a team like Michigan State. Michigan State can can very well compete against these teams, and and they proved it this weekend. They can hang in with the best of the best, and it's just like you said. It's just a matter of putting in a full sixty minutes. But that seems like typical hockey talk, doesn't it? it, it if we does. don't win a game, it it's always comes down to we got to play a full sixty minutes, or we have to play our game for you know a full three periods. That's all that's all nice and good to say that but you got to show it on the ice. And to me this week that's why this weekend is extremely important for this team. They need to put together one 60 minute effort. Start with the next game. Try to put shift after shift, start with one shift. Win try to win every shift. And eventually it'll turn into a 60 minute effort and I feel like if this team can put together a 60 minute effort, I wouldn't be surprised if they can Take away a win out of this weekend, but you know what? And you look at somebody else here. Take a look at what Hildebrand has done this weekend. Do you think? Oh, he's been stellar. Stopping fifty-nine shots on sixty-two attempts. There are fifty-nine saves on sixty-two shots for a nine fifty-one save percentage on the weekend. On the weekend, is that giving his team a chance to win or what?
1: That's that's giving his team a chance to win. That's what Hildebrand has done ever since he's he won the starting job. The fact of the matter is, though, you can't. You can rely on your goaltender to keep you in games. You should rely on your goaltender to keep you in games, but you can't rely on him night in and night out to win games for you. That's just asking too much.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. And and yeah, sure, he's gonna steal a game from Michigan State here and there. There's no doubt in that. I, I have full confidence that Hildebrand has the capability of stealing games, especially once Big Ten play starts. You know, but like you said, it's just a matter of the guys in front of him doing their part and putting pucks in the net.
1: Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that and the upcoming series later on in the show. But right now, we're going to take a look at field hockey. A bit more cheerful news, if you will. Michigan State field hockey had a stellar weekend during rivalry weekend. The Spartans entered a daunting game in Ann Arbor, facing a number 12-ranked Wolverine squad. They left with a 2-1 to one upset victory and their first win in Michigan's backyard, dating back since 2004. Brian, take us through a little bit of that game.
0: Well, here's another thing that they did. They were able to get on the board and quickly their two goals that they scored in this game came just over 2 minutes apart. And got to say though they they pretty much, you know, filled into Michigan weekend just as the football team did there. Oh, yeah. they, they weren't going to take anything from from the Wolverines. And and Sierra Pan her second shutout in 4 games. So that that's that's got to be a tremendous confidence boost for her. That gives her six goals against in the last 4 games. Well, Yes. No, that's uh, two. She got the shutout in uh, Saturday. I was just about to allude to that. Sunday's game there, yeah.
1: I wonder if it would carry over to the next game. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert. But, you know, she was, her confidence was building. She had a rough game against Northwestern, but she was able to bounce back and have a huge game against the Wolverines. And that's what her team needed her to do. And good for her that she was able to, to hold on true to that. But that really is surprising, though. Their first win. Since two thousand four at Michigan. That's it's that, that's, it's that crazy. Was a, you talk
1: about a confidence boost too.
0: Yeah, and, and that that puts them back to five hundred in Big Ten conference play, which is huge. Because now you now you look, they can probably climb up a little bit in the standings before the end of the season. If they had dropped this game, they would have dropped down to three and five, and then who knows where your confidence goes there.
1: Exactly. Exactly, definitely. Patton, again, Patton, like you said, Patton's second shutout in four games. Two goals in just over two minutes. Afterwards, Michigan State came back to face off against the Central Michigan Chippewas here in East Lansing. After a scoreless first half, the Spartans exploded with two goals to ice the victory over Central Michigan. Also worth noting, senior Abby Barker was recently named the Big Ten Field Hockey Offensive Player of the Week. Barker leads the team with 14 goals this season, including two goals in the win against Central Michigan. Brian, take us through that one.
0: Well, it's a, congrats to her. It's the second time she's been given that honor this season. And realistically, for the last couple weeks, she's been quiet for her standards. You see, she had two goals, and it says, that's that's a typical Abby On the Barker. On weekend as a whole. Yeah, yeah, so that that's that's a typical Abby Barker weekend. And And ironically enough, when Abby Barker goes, the team goes with her. You know they're able to get you know those those the depth goals from Allie A Hearn and Allie Helwig and you know Becky Styles can contribute in there uh, occasionally, so and they needed her to step up and boy did she ever, you know she is their offensive catalyst. Like I said, when she goes, the team goes. And then there's Patton's second shutout in four games, so good for her. And this is a this weekend was a really big confidence boost, especially after the way. The game against Northwestern transpired a couple weeks ago. They they didn't come out very well. They didn't come out good. They were flat, and then ultimately Northwestern really took it to them. So this was big for them to get this sweep to get their confidence back and head into the stretch run in their season here.
1: Definitely a big boost for Michigan State Spartans are now ranked number 19 in the nation. They have a 10-7 overall record, and like you said earlier, Brian, four and four in conference. Spartans will finish off their regular season against number twelve Louisville here in East Lansing on November first, before for, before preparing for the Big Ten tournament in Ann Arbor. So, how big is this Louisville game for them going forward?
0: Well, you you always want to be playing your best going into tournament time. You hear it all the time: NHL, NFL, and MLB. You want to be playing your best game going into the playoffs because when you do. Crazy things that happen. New York Giants, how many times are they going to win a Super Bowl when they're super hot going into the playoffs? You know, the L.A. Kings, how many times are they going to win when they just catch fire at the end of the season? So if this team can win this game against Louisville, Louisville is a tough team, very tough, and their number 12 ranking is definitely deserved. But if if Abby Barker, Allie Helwig, and the rest of the team can muster up enough confidence, and they should have all the confidence in the world after this weekend, I think Michigan State has a chance to take it to Louisville, and then if they win that game, they're going to have a tidal wave of confidence heading into that tournament in Ann Arbor. That's
1: yes, Michigan. Michigan State definitely riding, like I said, an early a really big high wave of confidence. That game again will be on November first here in East Lansing. Let's go around the boards now. Switching back to ice hockey. Interesting weekend for Big Ten teams. Number one Minnesota swept Bemidji State. Minnesota, of course, still holds on to the consensus number one spot. They're off to a four zero and zero start. And number fifteen, Michigan. You remember last week when we were kind of—I don't want to say making fun of Michigan, but well, it was Michigan week. Uh, it was kind
0: of warranted. Fair at that enough. Point.
1: Fair enough. We said we said that team was sinking like a stone. Well, I think uh, Red Berenson heard us and told his team to start manning the pumps because Michigan is starting to come back. They moved up to a number 15 spot this weekend. They split their weekend series. They won at UMass Lowell eight to four, as earlier said, but then lost at Boston University two to one. Wolverines are off to a two three and O start.
0: So if they turn it around, does that mean you're, it's our fault? <laughs>
1: Maybe. I don't know, you know. Karma red, can come back red to bite hurt us
0: and, and decided to snap his team into shape for that game.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know who 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 listens to this feed. <laughs> Hopefully only Spartan fans are wonderful listeners out there. But you never know. You never know. Wisconsin was off last weekend. It seems like they need it there. Like earlier stated, they are Absolutely.
0: off to an 0 and 0 start. Absolutely. Hopefully they do some kind of team-building exercise for them. Because they they just have completely disappointed themselves. I'm I'm sure not many people could have predicted them to start off on four.
1: Well, you remember, they were the predicted number three team in the Big Ten in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Ohio State also off last weekend. They're off to a 1-3-0 start. Seems like they needed after a dreadful sweep there by Miami of Ohio.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then then finally, Penn State had a good weekend. They swept Holy Cross 3-1 and 7-1 in those two games. Nittany Lions are up to a three one and two start. How about the Nittany Lions? Yes, they seem like they're playing a little bit more of a padded schedule, but they're having success and they actually have scored the most goals of any Big Ten team so far this year.
0: If you look at their, if you if you rank the teams based on their records right now, Penn State would hop right up to second place. Who thought? Who thought that would happen? I mean, they're taking care of their own business, and good for them. That's a pretty convincing weekend sweep too. It wasn't as if it was you know very close and they just barely escaped. They you outscore a team ten to two in two games. That, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, now granted, it is Holy Cross. It is Cross. Holy Cross. So. It, it, it's not as if they went into BU or BC and swept them right off the right off their feet. But like they took care of their business, and that's what they need to do. Sure, they're not going to schedule the toughest teams maybe just yet. But as far as I'm concerned, their team they're still building their program. It's a big confidence boost for them to be able to take care of business. Think think about that Richard Pleasant song, Taking Care of Business.
1: (laughs) Taking care of business Mm -hmm. every day. I love that song. That actually actually brings up a point I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, Brian. During this week's press conference, it was brought up to head coach Tom Anastas. Is he having any second thoughts of scheduling such a tough schedule? I mean, Michigan State takes on Ferris State this weekend. This will be the fourth straight game Michigan State will have taken on a ranked opponent now, of course, there are schools, for example, like Penn State that we were just discussing that do maybe schedule a softer schedule in order to build up confidence, and Tom asked us in his weekly press conference saying we need to get our confidence back. So do you think it's Michigan State at this point, do you think it's wise or unwise for them to continue with this scheduling of tough
0: teams? That's really tough to say. I, I think, straight up, I, I honestly think that you need to play the good teams. Because how much satisfactory are you going to get out of, say, Michigan State plays Holy Cross and they sweep them? How much satisfaction are you really getting out of that? But if you go like they did this weekend, they, you go and you play two ranked teams in New England on the road, and you only lose both games by one goal, I think you feel a little bit better yourself, having even though you lost the game by one goal, but I still feel like You've gained a lot more experience than playing a cupcake team and and destroying them, so that's why I think it's it's easy to say that they shouldn't. You know, this is this schedule's really, really you know way too hard. We're losing these games, but I'd rather have them be competitive against these top ranked teams than steamrolling some nobody school from wherever in the United States. All
1: right, I agree with you. By the way, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. There are some thoughts, there are some camps that are saying, you know, well, Michigan State really needs confidence right now, scoring breeds confidence, and they're not getting those goals. The offense is getting stymied by these better teams with really good goaltending. If they were playing these somewhat weaker teams, they'd be getting goals going, going in, they'd be getting their confidence, so by the time conference play hits, they'll be riding a really high wave of
0: confidence. That's an argument that does have merit. It does, but I feel like if say say Michigan State beat Holy Cross by a combined score of ten to two, I think that gives your team false confidence. It's not the type of confidence that you want because you're not going up against a super stellar defensive team. You know, you're, you're that's ultimately you'll get confidence by playing the best. And I, I I do hear the points of that argument, and it's a good one. It's a good point to make. But how much confidence is your team really getting over? When when you play in games like that, where you're putting up seven, you know you're up seven one, not it's clearly not the best defensive team you're playing against. So it makes you feel good for that moment, but then once you play against a team that can actually play defense or a goaltender that's really hot at the time, then you, you're brought back down to earth really quick.
1: I agree with you, but then again, you are also in Anasis's fourth year. If can Michigan State as an organization afford a third year of growing pains and rebuilding?
0: Hmm, that's the million-dollar question. Besides, can Michigan State score? I'll say that your question there is the $500,000 question. Well,
1: only $500,000? That's at least 7500
0: Yeah, but they need to see, and we talked about this um, in one of the earlier episodes of the show, that they are in a rebuilding phase, and rebuilding does not happen with one recruiting class, and Anastas said it himself. It starts with two consecutive, you know, two good recruiting classes in a row. Then you get another good recruiting class. It's all about how the recruits come in. And this team, they are starting to bring in some good recruits. Josh Jacobs, you know, Dylan Pavlik, you know, Carson Gatt, Ed Minnie for the future there. So it's not as if, you know, things are going to be really bad for the next couple seasons. It's... This is what you go through when you are in a transition period. And sure, you know, the growing pains, they really hurt now. And Spartan fans will tell you, you know, we want to see the team win. But at the same time, they have to understand the process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time. Look at, you know, NHL, look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They don't just flip a switch and start winning Stanley Cups. There was a time where they started to get progressively better. Same thing with the New Jersey Devils. Although it happened, it didn't happen quite as quickly as the Blackhawks. But you you notice they were in that period where you got to buy into the process. If the fans buy into the process, then this whole thing will go by a lot easier. If people are demanding win now, win now, then it's going to be rough.
1: I I definitely have to agree with you. And didn't New Jersey get blown out? What was it, eight to three by Pittsburgh? Uh,
0: I didn't watch. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I don't I, think that's merited.
1: My Hawks lost uh, one nothing to to Anaheim, so not just wanted to bring that up just to spite your face a little bit. But Ouch. like like you said, Brian, I definitely do agree with you. This is a rebuilding process, and it does take time. And like you said, it's if people are demanding win now, then what really will you have gained? You will have won now, but when you face tougher competition, it's 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 gonna it's gonna ruin you, it's gonna ruin you, and you'll be right back to square run. And I agree with you, Michigan State is bringing in a lot of recruiting classes. I think it's only a matter of time before Jacobs, Pavlek, and Gat, for that matter, really start stepping up and getting th- and finding their group. Because if you remember last year, it took the freshmen a little while. Last mm-hmm. year's freshmen a little while to mm-hmm. find their groove as well. So I f- think that once those guys find their groove we're gonna see a little bit more offensive production, especially from the defensive end.
0: Yes, they need that's one of the keys. They need to, to get that production from the back end and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And then here's a, here's a question about scheduling tough versus playing, you know, playing against the cupcakes, quote unquote cupcakes. Right. As a as a team, would you feel better if you sweep a series against, say, Bowling Green? Say Bowling Green comes to town and Michigan State sweeps them. Do you feel better with that sweep or if Michigan State, say, had won against Boston U? What would be more satisfying for that team, knowing they went on the road in a hostile environment against one of the top teams in the country, gotten a win, and even if they didn't win the next game, so they came back with a split? Do you think they would feel better with the split or with the sweep over Bowling Green, a far inferior opponent.
1: Oh, they definitely they take this the um, the win over Boston in a heartbeat. I would too, for that matter. The only difficulty is that that's not what happened. It nearly did, but unfortunately, it didn't. A couple more tidbits from this week's press conference. John Drager, Johnny Drager, is hopeful to start for Ferris State this weekend. So good news for him. Also, a lot of line combinations. W- A lot of new line combinations will be tested next weekend. No line is safe, especially the Ferentino, Barry, and McEachron line. That line, I have it from Coach Nastas, will be broken up. So be on the lookout for some new line combinations coming into this weekend's series against Ferris. And now it's time for our final segment, Know Thy Enemy and Know Thyself. In a thousand battles, you will never lose. This weekend, the Michigan State Spartans face off against another ranked opponent, this time it's number fourteen, the Ferris State Bulldogs. Ferris State, like the Spartans, are coming off a devastating sweep at the hands of Michigan Tech. They lost one to nothing and two to one in those games, respectively. Doesn't that sound familiar? Oh yes, it does. Doesn't it? We
0: heard that one before.
1: You think it, you think that's where the similarities end? Hang on to your hats. Besides the fact that the Bulldogs are two three and O so far. This is going to be an interesting matchup as both teams are riding three-game losing streaks into this one. Ferris State has been taking this rivalry very seriously as of late. Perhaps it has something to do with the fact that Bob Daniels, Ferris' head coach, is in fact a Michigan State alum. They've dominated this series so far. Ferris has won the last four games against the Spartans, and Ferris has also taken the last eight of the last nine contests against Michigan State, so this one's going to be a tough one. The fact of the matter is, though, when you look at the stats, the major stats, it's it's going to be a pretty even matchup. In terms of goals scored per game, Michigan State has the lead there, 2.25 for the Spartans, 1.6 for Ferris. Goals against per game, Ferris has that one. They lead that two goals in comparison to Michigan State, who has 2.5. Power play, both teams dead even at .045 percentage. And in terms of penalty kill, Michigan State is 14 for 16, Ferris State 20 for 22, so both teams having given up two power play goals this season. But the difference between these two programs, Brian, they play different styles. When you look at Ferris, they play a very much, they play a trap style system. They play very defensively. They, their offense stems from good defense and taking advantage of those opportunities. To draw a, uh, an NHL example, think Nashville Predators, for example and Michigan State they they like to play a very fast style very cycle style very high tempo high offensive style getting off helping getting offense from their defense so it's going to be very interesting to see how these two games or these two systems I should say play out
0: absolutely and on paper it looks like this is going to be a a a dogfight and what better weekend to have a nice dogfight than halloween you know might as well you know toss that in got to be a Always got to have a good matchup on Halloween, but it's it's kind of interesting. Both power, you know, we're not going to have a special teams bonanza, except if we're going to score some shorthanded goals. Both power plays are just not clicking at all right now. And the penalty kill? Pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Can't <clears throat> go against these stats here for them. But like you said, it's a, it's very two contradicting styles of play. Um, Michigan State needs to figure out a way to keep their speed. And again, that starts with putting together a 60-minute effort. If they can keep their speed for an entire 60 minutes, they'll be able to get some chances. Hopefully for them, they can finally find that spark that ignites their offense that they got against UMass the opening weekend. But it's, it's on paper, like I said, on paper you think it's a very close game, but Ferris State is ranked for a reason.
1: Yes, big difference between the two systems. Ferris State is coming off a WCHA championship. They are masters at this system. Michigan State, on the other hand, while they do do a lot of things in their system well, they haven't had as much success as Ferris State has had with their system. Quite frankly, though, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say, I think this game is going to come down to who can put the puck in the back of the net, who can bury and who can capitalize on that golden opportunity at the right moment. You look at Michigan State's games last weekend, really, really good chances to tie it up late in the game, especially against that low game. Michigan State had a two-man advantage. They had the goalie pulled, and they had a power play. Had about four or five golden opportunities. They just couldn't bury it. Whichever team can take advantage and put that dagger in the heart at the right moment is going to come out ahead in this series. So we're going to go now to our keys to Spartan victory. Brian, I will give you first shot.
0: All right. The power play has to wake up. It's Halloween. They gotta come out of their of their hibernation, their sleep, whatever. They need to wake up on the power play. That that's that's power play. Wake up the power play. Bold, caps, exclamation points at the end. Underline two. Underlines, tossing about five or six underlines. Wake up the power play. If their power play had been around, if their power play had showed up this week last previous weekend, Michigan State could have easily taken one of those games from either Boston U or UMass Lowell. But, hasn't this been a current? When Michigan State's power play does not score, the Spartans haven't won yet this season. That's just something to think of, right there. My second key is Michigan State needs to dictate the pace early. They need to dictate and show... Ferris, that we're gonna play Spartan hockey. We're not gonna fall into your defensive trap. You can't. You probably still I'm sure it they run the trap, yeah. or e- yeah. e- or is is the trap still around as a style? I, I don't think it's 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 kind of like a, uh, a a nowadays trap. It's like a it's an evolved neutral okay. zone trap because I mean that. nobody nobody plays trap hockey anymore. We're not in the, we're not the '90s New Jersey Devils here. But. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to try to wiggle that reference. Of, in there. of
0: course, but if Michigan State can play with their speed, if they can use their speed as a weapon, get pucks in deep, you know, get that speed through the neutral zone, get pucks in deep, and then win those corner battles, Michigan State will be just fine. Third key, and this one again goes bold, caps, exclamation points, underline, highlight. Italicize? Italicize, what have you. Play a full 60 minutes. Self-explanatory. If Michigan State can play a full 60 minutes, dictate the pace of play, get the pucks in deep, win the corner battles, and wake up the power play, Michigan State will be just fine. And Hildebrand just needs to be himself. And they will be fine.
1: Very good points, Brian. I'm going to go actually with four or five because I'm, I am I don't want to miss anything. If you remember last weekend, I, I made an emphasis on playing good defense. Well, they played good defense, but the offense didn't show up. The week before that, I emphasized the fact that the offense needed to be better. but I didn't say anything about the defense. Guess what? Michigan State has a good offensive stint. Defense a little to be desired. So I'm not going to leave anything out here. All right. I'm, I'm covering all the stops here. Number one. Michigan State needs to score the first goal. When mm-hmm. they score the first goal, they are one and zero. When Michigan State hasn't scored the first goal, they are zero for three. So key for Michigan State: score the first goal and score it early in the first period. Set the tone early. Let them know that we're that Michigan State is here to play. Second key: play a full sixty minutes. Like you said, Brian, self-explanatory. Play full sixty minutes. Don't take a shift off. Don't take anything for granted. Number three, defense has to be solid, blocking shots, getting involved in the play. If Johnny Drager is back, that's going to help immensely to add that stability to the blue line. He's not as big enough offensive threat as, say, for example, a Josh Jacobs, but that will add stability to the blue line. And Michigan State will definitely need that to be offensively, uh, defensively sound. Number four, hit the net. I don't know if it was me listening to the radio. It seems like a lot of shots Michigan State were taking, they were going high over the net. Take low shots even. doesn't matter if it's low and weak. As long as it's on net, it always has a chance to go in. Pucks that, you know this, Brian, pucks that go, that miss the net have 0.000000 chance of making it into the net. So the key for Michigan State is going to be get shots on net.
0: Point zero five percent. If someone gets a wickedly nice deflection, well, we're nice not we're deflection. not going into
1: that. Come on, that's the that's
0: that's the only we're not, way. We're
1: not we're not we're not going to that. Although Matt Barry Matt Barry's
0: dumping. A yeah, couple the, yeah there you go. That, that's the one. That's the that's, point that's five. The, that's the point that's zero, zero 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 five. five. That's the point that's zero, 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 five.
1: Five. The point zero it. five. Yeah, but we don't want to go into that. You can't need, count on Matt Barry scoring. They
0: need to sabotage the ice footage. system again and have just pucks <laughs> bounce in from center ice, like they had a couple weeks ago.
1: You can't count on Matt Barry making fifty footers night in and night out though. It'd be nice I mean, if he could. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if every guy on Michigan State could score a goal every night, but hey, what are you gonna do? And finally, my last point, bury the puck. Take it put in that extra little effort to just bury the puck. Now I know this is easier said than done, and I don't want to call anyone out. I think these guys are giving their are they're playing their hearts out and I applaud them for doing that. But when you have a golden opportunity to either tie the game up or take a lead put that dagger in the heart bury the puck put it in the back of the net let the goal lights go on and let's hear
0: the fight song gosh darn it give that goalie some sunburn from all the lights being shown on him when you. oh score. yeah
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: no but i i agree with you 100 percent. it just comes down to you they have to bury the puck they have to score and we're going to be saying this a lot this season. I
1: have a feeling, unless something changes,
0: we just—they're just not a team that's going to light it up. They're not going to score five or six goals a game. Well, they they're, don't have to. No, they don't. As long as they score two or three, three two, they should be in good shape. Two or three, and they'll and they'll win. I don't want to say a heavy majority, but they'll win more often than they'll lose if they can put up an average of. They'll two, get a, two and a half, three goals. You know, maybe a little over three goals. They will win more than they lose.
1: And one last question for you, Brian, before we go into our last segment here. How important is this weekend for Michigan State right now?
0: Oh, it's huge. Really, really no other way around it. This is a huge weekend. They need to get a win. They need to get a win. They need to score some goals. Because if they, if they get swept this weekend, then that will be five games in a row they've lost. And how do you get your team to rebound from that? It's tough.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really tough. I think I think this is huge. I think this weekend I don't want to put huge amounts of importance on it, but I kind of do at the same time. I have a strange feeling that this weekend is going to define the Spartans non-conference season. If Michigan's I think Michigan State needs to get a sweep this weekend. I think if they get a sweep as a long shot as that may sound. If they get a sweep this weekend, they'll be back to 3 and 3. They go on the road to New Hampshire. New Hampshire's not that strong a team. That is a series Michigan State can get a cup can get another sweep on the road, rebuild their confidence, and then if you look at that. That'd be four games in a row, two of which on the road. Michigan State's riding high going into that all important game against against BC. So I think this is an important weekend. Spartans can't settle for a for a split. They have to go for the kill. They have to go for the sweep because it will because a sweep against Ferris will pay long-term dividends going down the stretch.
0: Absolutely will. Absolutely will. It'll give them so much momentum going into that series against UNH. And you said, with the way they played, I'm confident with the way they played against BU and UMass Lowell, they play that same way, that same style of hockey. I I do believe that they could go into UNH and and steal a game, if not two.
1: Oh, if they go into UNH... If, they, if they're riding high against um, Ferris, they should go into UNH and sweep UNH. Because you, you, you want to talk about sending messages. The mentality of this team has to be right now, we are going to send a message both to ourselves, to our fans, and to college hockey world in general. We are Michigan State. We are not last year's team. We are a new team. We are going to go out there. We're going to play full 60 minutes, and we are going to come at you. No team is safe no matter how highly you're ranked.
0: Absolutely, and it starts with the first shift Friday night. That's where it has to start for them. The first shift, once that puck drops at MUN Friday night, that's where the message needs to start being sent. Sent at one shift at a time, one period at a time, one game at a time, one series at a time.
1: Exactly. It's going to be a really exciting series. I know you're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Games will be played on Friday, October 31st, on Halloween night at 7 o'clock, and the second game on Saturday at the same time. Both games at Mun Ice Arena in East Lansing, Michigan. We encourage everyone to come out. And finally, Brian, you have a special segment.
0: Speaking of the barn they play in, Mun Ice Arena, depending on how you look at it, turns 40. <laughs> Either turned 40 last week, as, again, depending on how you looked at it, or turns 40 this week. Saturday, Moon Ice Arena was originally built by Daverman Associates of Grand Rapids, Michigan, for a little more than three and a half million dollars. That's, that's oh boy, that's
1: pocket change when you look oh, at some boy. of the, Considering the projects.
0: Pegula Ice Arena and, and State College cost upwards of eighty million. Yeah, and, and when and you
1: look at and when you look at some of the renovation projects that Michigan State Athletics are doing right now around campus, three point five million. Yeah. That's that's pocket yeah.
0: change. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when this building opened up in the fall of 1974, um, the team moved from Dem Hall, didn't have to move very far. They spent the previous 24 years in Dem Hall, hopped right, right over the, you know, pretty much it seemed like, just walked through the backyard of Dem Hall right to Munn. Their first game played against Laurentian University on October 25th, 1974 which was a 4-3 loss, but Michigan State would rebound to win the game the next night against that same team, 4-1. Now, at that time, the arena didn't have a name. it was I think it was, it was pretty much just Michigan State Arena or Spartan Arena, what have you, whatever people wanted to call it. And so on November 1st, the official name was given in honor of Clarence Biggie Munn, former Michigan State head coach, head football coach, and athletic director. So... That's why I said, depending on how you look at it, if you look at it in terms of when was the first game played, happy belated birthday, Mun. If you're looking as to when the building actually got its name, Mun turns 40. The name of Mun Arena turns 40 on Saturday. Now, a couple of interesting things happened in the course of Mun's career. This is something I found really surprising. On November 15th and 16th, 1985. The National Hockey League used Michigan State's exhibition series with Team Canada at MUN as its first experiment with video replay. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: That is something interesting. And you look at the impact that video replay has had years down the line, how many decisions that have come or gone one way or the other because of video replay.
0: Yep, and in that weekend series, two goals would be challenged, one by each team. No goal was overturned. So, look at it that way. You can say pretty much video replay, for all intents and purposes, got its kickstart at MUN. Another interesting thing here, go back, way back, turn the clocks back almost 30 years to December 19th, 1985, when Michigan State played Northern Michigan. That game would mark the first of 323 consecutive sellouts at MUN Arena spanning over 17 seasons there was not a ticket to be found at Arena. can you imagine
1: oh i wish it was like that now you also have to remember that 85 that 85 season that was a good team right in the heyday of Ron Mason era and just continue to go by i've talked to people who said you know my grandmother went to michigan state and or my mother went to michigan state and she wanted to get hockey tickets. She could barely find any standing room only tickets. It's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, and and those were those were some of the biggest years for this program. And I and I talked to to Neil Neil Kepke of uh, MichiganStateSpartans dot and he was talking about when the building first opened back on that October fifth, October twenty fifth, nineteen seventy four day. He said, basically, the building was like the Taj Mahal of the WCHA. And that's pretty. It's a pretty good way to put it. And he said the people that worked there, the ushers, were so helpful to people who were coming in. It was like a destination. You know, the ushers would come in. They'd be very cordial. They'd go, welcome you to your seats, ask you if you needed anything, stats, what have you. And over the years, this building has hosted some pretty big games, some sensational Game against BC in particular, the Michigan State won in overtime, I think, to advance to the frozen four I think. And another game, you know, some of the not so great memories, a loss to Providence, which was one of Tom Anastas's years there. And it was funny when I was talking to, to Neil about some of those games, he said, Oh, I guarantee if you go up to to Tom and ask him about that Providence game, he'll still have you'll still just Ugh, he'll have that uh, that gut wrenching feel to it, <laughs> yep. and true to, and true to his word. Although I didn't directly ask, how do you feel about that game and Pro- against Providence? You know, when when Anastas was talking about some of his experiences here, he was talking about some of the highs, and then went into the low. And first course, low he went into. The first was that low game. he went into was that loss against Providence because they were predicted that season. That was. The 1984-85 season, that was a team that was predicted to win the national championship. They were right. favorites to win the national championship that year. They were upset. And then to be super, to be upset at home, in and in 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 it was in, I think that series was a total goal two-game series. Michigan State won the first game by one goal, then lost the second game by two goals. Right. So they ended up losing that series. Right. So it's really interesting to see you know, that one of his best memories, or technically his worst, was that game against Providence. And another really interesting thing, Anasta said his, his most memorable experience ever in that building came as a recruit. Not even a player, not as a coach, not even CCHA president. It was back when, in the winter of 1980, he was at a game in Michigan State as a recruit, and an announcement came over the over the speaker system that said the USA had beaten the Soviet Union and the he said the building was just went bonkers now there he said he was just like are you kidding me and and to have that be your most memorable experience that's that's something yeah and and like we all know Munn's set to go under tremendous renovations led Ribbon lighting around the sides, you know, of the new video boards. At and, Center Ice, so to kind Center of mimic Ice, a jumbotron. At Center Ice, kind of resembling a jumbotron. I think the chairs are going to start to have seat backs now or over the course of the next couple of years. So big, Which is needed, which is yeah, needed. So big things are ahead for Mon, and it's good to see oh, yeah. that this building is still being kept as you know, up and going, yeah, up and going because it does give people a reminder of the glory days, to quote my right. my boy Bruce Springsteen, just to remind them of the glory days because they'll pass you by in the wink of a young girl's yeah, eye.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have an interesting story about Munn I would like to share. I was actually researching this back when Munn was, or just before Munn was first built, hockey coach at the time, Emo Bassoni, he did not press for a new arena, he actually preferred to play in Jennison Hall. At the time, the Michigan State basketball team was being moved out of Jenison Hall. They were getting ready to build them a new facility. Emo went over to Jenison Hall, looked at it, and said, I th- "This is gonna. This this would make a really good hockey arena. We could fit anywhere from six thousand to nine thousand people in here. This would be great." However, the Michigan State athletic directors saw it differently, and built Munn Ice Arena, which would later be named after, as you said, Clarence Biggie Munn, who w- who really fought to have hockey. Hockey be a varsity sport here at Michigan State, but anyway, Emo liked the new building. He had one he had one grievance with it though. As he was looking around, he noticed the Michigan State bench was too long. The door wouldn't open, oh. and he noticed a construction worker nearby. and He said, "Excuse me, can you please uh, shorten this bench? It's too long. the The door won't open." The construction worker turned turned to him and said, "I'm sorry, I can't. the The plans don't call for it." And then Emo said a couple of expletives, which I won't say over the radio. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Took up a saw and sawed off the part of the <laughs> Michigan State bench and threw it on the ice.
0: Talking about taking care of your own, taking care of business.
1: Exactly. So that was the only, the only change Emo Blossoni made to Munn Ice Arena. Definitely, like you said, a lot of fond memories with-
0: fun memories. One fact about their first season at Dem Hall. They did not win one game. They went o fourteen and two, in their first o four o one fourteen in their first season at Dem Hall.
1: All right, well, everyone, we're gonna have to say goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jason Ruff.
0: I'm Brian Bobel. Stay cool, Spartan Nation. Enjoy your Halloween.